Radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the HR status quo and how people are organized, engaged, and motivated to create real business impact. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. Well, we have a quote from Casey Stengel. If you're not in the U.S., if you're not in New York, if you're under this age of, let's say, 40 or 50, you probably won't have a clue who he is. Let me tell you. Casey, Charles Dillon, Casey Stengel, 1890 to 1975, nicknamed the Old Professor. That's P-E-R, not P-R-O, Professor. American Major League Baseball right fielder and manager elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1966, and he got the name Casey from the initials of his hometown, KC, Kansas City, Missouri. What can I say? He was legendary. And here's the quote so fitting for our topic today, quote, finding good players is easy. Getting them to play as a team is another story. So think about the word team. Think about players. You can even think about story. And let me tell you how this relates to our topic today. Of course, this is changing the game with HR. So HR and CHROs are our focus. HR's focus in practices, traditionally looking at individuals. Come on, you want everybody to feel welcome in your workforce. You want to recruit the right people, get the right compensation, make sure they have the right management, the right guidance, the right training. It's great. It's a wonderful thing. But look at professional sports. That's where it really comes from. Teams win, but individual players get the awards. MVP, you know how that works. But things have changed. Aha, things are changing and we're seeing it right now. HR needs to start looking at a shift in the workplace culture. It's time to go from one too many and support teams. What is this going to require? Well, think about collaboration tools. Think about workplace design. Think about shifting your policies, your practices, your mindset, the whole corporate culture to support teams. We have a panel packed with experts on this topic. This is really important no matter where your company is based. Even if you're thinking about a startup, thinking about the greatest idea to hit the product or services market anywhere in the world, this is important for the growth of your company for your foundation. If you're a big, what I call a behemoth enterprise, you may want to start listening up to this because it will help the future of your organization. Anything in between applies to you equally. So here are my panelists. First up, in just a moment, I will introduce you to Kevin McConville. He is a principal in the People Advisory Services Practice of EY. That's Ernst & Young LLP. And always happy to have our friends at EY on the show. Joining him, he's a newcomer, by the way, another newcomer, Nathan Ott author of The DNA of a Game Changer, how appropriate for our show, and The DNA of a Game Changing Team, aha, as well as the co-founder and CEO of an organization called the GC Index. I have a little little uh, sign after that, and we will find out from Nathan in a few minutes what his company does and, and how he and I are in sync because we both like the term Game Changer. And rounding out the panel, of course, is Dr. Patty Fletcher. She is a leadership futurist at SAP Success Factors, and if you didn't already know, Patty 
is the sponsor of this series, Changing the Game with HR, always bringing us excellent topics and great speakers on the panel. So, Mr. Kevin McConville, you're up first, and you have sent us a quote from Yogi Berra. We're harking back to baseball again, 1925 to 2015, American professional baseball catcher, manager, and coach who played 19 seasons in Major League Baseball, all but the last four, the New York Yankees. Yay! He won 10 World Series championships as a player more than any other player in MLB history, one of the greatest catchers, and elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1972. So here's the quote. It's tough to make predictions, especially about the future. I love that one. Kevin McConville, how are you today? Doing very well. Really appreciate the opportunity to join you today. We are thrilled. Tell me, are you a baseball fan? It's just coincidental that I picked a Casey Stengel quote, so forgive me. I wasn't really copying you. How does Yogi Berra's quote relate to our topic today, Kevin? Well, you know, we spend so much of our time right now trying to figure out the direction that the workplace is going and really trying to predict how we need to change what we're doing, how we're managing, how we're, uh, how we're attracting a workforce, how we're retaining and developing workforces. Everything is changing faster than it ever has before. And you see wildly different predictions of the future. Um, if you ever want to be really depressed, listen to Elon Musk and Bill Gates talk about how we're one generation away from 40 and 50% unemployment. But there's much more upbeat and, and uplifting opportunities out there as, as we read to look at the opportunity to really have people work on what it is they're good at, focus on what they're good at, and, and the use of robotics and artificial intelligence to, to remove some of the mundane tasks. So to me it is, you know, there are wildly different views of the future, and, and we need to figure out how to manage and, and grow with that future and, and tackle along the way as it continues to change rapidly. Very interesting, Kevin. Quick question for you before I bring on Nathan and read his very interesting quote as well. Do you think it's it's something that will come as a relief to people in the workforce saying, oh, thank God, I don't have to be competing for the gold star this week or this month, or yay, I'm working with five or six people and we all really like each other. We've got great ideas and the brainstorming is great and the design, and we're going to be a team and win that award of whatever it is. Do you think there'll be a relief or you think there'll be a damn, I really wanted that trophy on my mantle. What do you think, Kevin? You know, I think some of that's going to be innate to who people are, and there's some people who team well and some people who are, are, are innately competitive and, and, and want that individual achievement. And I also think so much of it's going to be based upon how organizations incent and manage. Um, many organizations love to talk about teamwork, but have built everything for one person gets the prize, one person gets the trophy, and then are shocked when they can't get the collaboration and innovation that they're looking for. So I think some of that's going to be based upon who people are, and some of that's going to be based upon how we manage and incent them. Thank you very much. Great insights and a real pleasure to meet you, Kevin. And now I'm going to introduce our second newcomer. It is Nathan Ott. He is Nathan Ott, and he's written books about the word game changers, which made me like him immediately when I found out he was going to be on the panel. And Nathan has sent us a quote from Mother Teresa, known as the Catholic Church St. Teresa of Calcutta. I won't attempt to read her, her original Albanian name because it's very hard to pronounce. Uh, she received a number of honors, including the 1962 Raymond Magsasay Peace Prize and the 1979 Nobel Peace Prize. Peace Prize. She's been canonized by the church in 2016, and the anniversary of her death, September 5th, is considered her feast day. She was a controversial figure, but she did a lot of charitable work for people who needed it all over the world. And here is the quote. I can do things you cannot. 
You can do things I cannot. Together, we can do great things. Nathan Ott, how are you today? I'm very well, Bonnie. How are you? I'm well, thank you. This quote is so perfect for our topic, Nathan. Mm. The word team is, is it's a subtext in there. Together, we can do great things. Tell me, uh, are you a big follower of Famous Sayings by Mother Teresa? And how did you select this interesting quote for us? Well, I was looking for, you've asked for a quote for, um, for us to, to for, for this show, and I was looking for one that capsulates what we, what we, we believe in. And this, this simply puts it, really. I think certainly if you understand so where we come from, we have a fundamental belief that everyone can, can contribute. So whether you are a Fortune CEO, executive, or a, a child in a, in a developing country, everyone can contribute and, and make an impact. Um, you you mentioned game changers. Yes, we've we've looked sort of heavily into the, the, these these individuals we call game changers, and it's that there's almost a myth of the hero game changer. This individuals or or an individual is going to come in and, and and change the game for us. That it's, it's, that's not true. Um, you know, you need uh, a team. You need uh, very different skill sets and, and impact contributions from everybody. And so that's why we would say not everyone's a a game changer, but everyone can make a game changing impact because there are some things that some of us can do and, and, and some things that others cannot and but together we can do great things. So that's why we we chose that for your show today. Beautiful. I appreciate that. Let me ask you the same question I asked Kevin McConville. Do you think there will be a relief in the workforce in general? I'm asking you to to do this from a general high level viewpoint. Do you think that there will be a relief that people aren't on the spot to win, win, win as individuals, and they can say, let's really invest in our participation in teams and make it happen as a group? What, what's your thought on that? Well, I, I think if you are um, sort of linking that to sport, you can, you can sort of look quite simply at our developing weakness culture that we have in our, in our talent frameworks. So if you, you know, if you look at a team sport, yes, but you, 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 you play to someone's strengths. If I'm British, if you guys hadn't realized, so soccer is football, we call it, but you guys call it soccer. <laughs> um, but, you know, if, if you have a striker, their impact is to, to score goals. You, you, you make them ma- maximize that impact, okay? You don't start sort of uh, marking them any sort of more negatively and develop their weaknesses to go and save goals. You just don't do that. But if you look at individual sports, let's say mm-hmm. golf, <clears throat> yep. then that individual has to sort of focus on their weaknesses um, as well as their strengths because it's an individual sport. And our talent frameworks are very individualistic that just penalize people for weaknesses. And, and, and that, that's what we need to change and really generally focus on strength of impact. Thank you very much. Uh, we we have to compliment you on the fabulous connection on your phone line. I know you're in London today, Nathan, and we were just saying, my engineer and I, we wish we could bottle up the quality of your phone connection. Absolutely crystal clear. So whatever you're on, thank you so much, and welcome to the show. And now I'm going to turn my focus on Dr. Patty Fletcher, Leadership Futurist at SAP Success Factors, and as I said, the sponsor of this series. And Patty has sent us a quote from Albert Einstein, except there's no evidence he ever said it until it's coming patty quote investigator is my new best friend there is a website called quote investigator and they work really hard at this the quote appeared in 2004 decades after einstein passed away in 1955 
in a self-help book called The Rhythm of Life, Living Every Day with Passion and Purpose, written by a gentleman named Matthew Kelly, and the chapter is entitled Everybody is a Genius. Now I'll read the quote from Albert Einstein anecdotally via Matthew Kelly. Forgive me, Patty. Here's the quote, and it's a great one. Everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. I tried to put a little New York spit in that stupid. (laughs) Patty Fletcher, love the quote. Forgive me for the investigation, but you know I love to do this in my spare time, quote unquote. How are you, Patty? I'm great, and I'm cracking up. There was a um, a picture of Abe Lincoln with a quote that made its way around the the interwebs um, about two years ago, and it's the quote above his his picture is the problem with internet quotes is that you can't always depend on their accuracy. Abraham Lincoln, 1864. <laughs> 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 Perfect. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Thank you very much. You know, on, on my show a couple of hours ago, Patty, uh, a guest used the African proverb: "You want to go go if you want to go alone, go want to go fast, go alone. If you go alone, you want to go fast. If you want to go far, go in a group, go in a team." And yeah. I looked that up, and nobody has validated there was ever an African tribe in any African country in any continent that ever <laughs> said that. So there was a, a whole debates. There were racial and gender debates online. Seriously debating whether anybody could have really said this, what the racial composition of the people who think it's a smart quote and what tribe would actually have said it and who would have written it down. So I I think you and I need to do a show on the use of quotes in in the HR world and say, how do we really know? So I'm just going to quote the three of you today and make you all famous. Patty, talk to me. This poor fish thinks that it's stupid because it can't climb a tree. Whose fault is that? Let's talk about HR shifting focus from one to many. Go ahead, Patty. Yeah, you know, I, I think, and what I've what I've <clears throat> heard with with Nathan and Kevin is is really really important. And ultimately, when it comes to teams, it's just as much about the leadership as it is about the individual contributors who make up a team. And so, when we we think about, I can't help but think about a curling team. Right, the leader of a curling team places people to where their strengths are, not just their skills, not just their muscle, but also their cognitive strengths, how they make decisions. And the leader then takes the role of being the one to get the heat, right? Taking the, because, you know, you're always creating friction, so you get the, the rock from where it starts to where you want it to be. And so then the team does its thing because everybody's playing the role that that, that that member, that team member is most good at. It plays to their strengths, which is required for that team. Everybody has an important role. The leader can then focus in on dealing with the people whose lives are being disrupted, right? Creating that change that you and Nathan were, were talking about. So it's, it's fantastic. But what that means from an HR perspective, to Kevin's point, we have to question everything in the system. One, how we train leaders to hire because they're not going to be. And by the way, teams aren't for every role. That I, I just kind of want to put that out there. Not every mm-hmm. role requires a team. There are some roles that don't. We used, um, Nathan, you used golf as, as an example, but we see that in, in business as well, right? So I, I don't think, I'm at least not saying it's a blanket statement. So number one, retraining leaders. And number two, having the right reinforcement mechanisms, such as, Kevin, I think you said, you know, bonuses and, and performance reviews and, and those kinds of things. So just super important. And also, like, think about job descriptions. If you're hiring for somebody to be part of a high-performance team, but you write the job description as an individual contributor, you're probably not 
going to get the right people. So just lots of retraining for the people who make the decisions and the people who lead and what their roles are from hire to how I develop a team to being responsible for, for outcomes, which is really what this is about. Um, and on the other side, those reinforcement kind of system mechanisms that need to be rethunk. And if you don't do that, you are going to have a fish who you expect to be a tree climber. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Unless you put the tree down flat and you put some water underneath it and that's, then the fish can right. swim. You know, it, there, there are all kinds of ways. A clever team in a design thinking workshop, Patty, would probably do that. They would either bend or cut down the poor tree and make that's, it just be... Well, what they would do is they'd find out what the purpose of the tree was, right? So um, it was to have something interesting because it has to be a tree. Um, yeah, but I absolutely your point. Patty, you're not allowed to make me laugh because my levels are going to go off the chart and poor Kevin on the board is going to say, how do I keep her volume down? Thank you very much. So, Patty, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Kevin and I asked Nathan. Are there some people going to be relieved and say, oh, thank God I don't have to try me number one on the honor roll? And, Patty, I remember very clearly fourth grade Mrs. Sims PS 98 had an honor roll and I was always third behind I don't know Shelly and Beth Shelly and Beth I think were number one and two or Shelly and Anne were number one and two and I, of course, they were, and I was always number three, but at least I was number three because nobody in the class behind us, the three of us, ever got any gold stars, I remember. Mm-hmm. So were we the gold star team? No. We were three poor individuals who were going home and working all night for fourth grade homework. Patty, so will teams be relieved? Will people say, yes, I'm getting a job where there's a strong team culture and HR cares about the team functioning and they will judge us by the strength. We'll pull up the slow ones. We'll we'll." Learn from the fast ones and we'll gel together in this beautifully meshed, I hope this sounds good, poetic, this beautifully meshed teamwork and everybody will love us. Is that going to happen and will people love that or not? It depends, which is the worst answer to give. Um, I know. And it's, it's really echoing what, what Kevin and Nathan said. You know, I've, I've seen firsthand, for example, where you have sales teams where there needs to be growth, right? So they've hired a bunch of farmers but they want hunters and they, um, but so they are requiring the ones who are hunters to train the farmers how to be basically fish who can climb a tree. And yet those hunters better go out and make all the numbers, right? So they're going to get rewarded or punished for making and exceeding their number and reaching their stretch goals as well as trying to be a team player. They're sending mixed signals. There are some people, and I'm just going to say start, star salesperson, although if you're in B2B, you run a team, but, but you ultimately have, you know, kind of the, the lead person. That's not conducive. So we can't put people in team environments who won't thrive in team environments. We, people who are more, uh, who are doing more innovation kind of things, who thrive, like I personally, there are certain things I like to do alone. There are certain things I thrive with the team. It depends what I'm doing. I would love it if I had a team to work with on those things I like and don't want it because it will slow me down on other things that have more of an individual contributor kind of feel. So I think, one, it's not a one-size-fits-all depending on the mm-hmm. person, not a one-size-fits-all depending on the function, and not a one-size-fits-all because most of us have multiple jobs within one organization. So it really, yeah. truly depends. You think. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> you think. Yes, I think. I'm with I'm with you, Not kid, as they like to say. 
Yeah. <laughs> nothing, no, nothing at all. 14 radio series working with 13 teams, none of whom report to me on a direct or even a very, very lightly dotted line. And yet, we're able to do five hours of SAP Game Changers Radio a week. It's a miracle, Patty. The yes, definition yes. of teamwork has been re- reinvented through Game Changers Radio. I think Nathan can appreciate the use of game changing there. Yes, we are. So, gentlemen, Kevin and Nathan, it's time for me to circle around to you, Kevin McConville, and ask you a couple of personal questions. Don't be scared. They're very generic. Where are you calling from? I don't want the Google coordinates of the roof of your house or the exact address of your office, but in general, what part of the world are you in, and what do you love to drink that makes you smile. It can be anything. Kevin McConville, you're up. Well, I'm right now in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, right outside of Washington, D.C., at our EY offices. And, you know, as I think about what makes me smile, I actually just did a... uh, a trip. Uh, my brother was nice enough to purchase at a charity auction a tour of vineyards in Bordeaux and bring myself and my wife, Ooh. which was wonderful. Except for anyone who knows me has probably never seen me drink a glass of wine in my life. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm your standard, you know, stereotype Irishman who drinks a beer. So I went to the finest vineyards across France and and uh, sounded like a true consultant. I memorized about four questions to ask at each vineyard. It sounded like I had some idea what I was talking about and. And everyone who knew me had a pretty good laugh at the idea of me touring vineyards across uh, across Bordeaux. Oh, as they say, you had to be there, right, Kevin? Yeah. Oh, oh my, that's a delightful story. So, so let me ask you: if you had to drink wine, if somebody sat you down at a fancy dinner table and said, "Kevin McConville, what's your favorite wine? What can we do to make you happy and enjoy your complimentary beverage with your dinner?" What would you tell them? Is there something that you saw that looked interesting? No, the wine, it was all wonderful. I really enjoyed it. And, you know, outside of, you know, each place I went, I asked, uh, you know, how old are the, uh, are the vines? Um, are you using American oak or French oak? You know, I had my standard oh. questions. But, but the red wines from the Bordeaux area were beautiful. It was wonderful. Couldn't have enjoyed them more. Uh, really was nice. Um, I do have to admit, though, I came back, and next time I went out, I ordered a beer again, as much as I enjoyed the trip. <laughs> Thank you very much. True to your spirit. Thank you, Kevin. And now let's turn to Nathan Uh, Nathan, I think you're in London. I know that. Tell us what part of London, if it's important, and what are you drinking now or after the show? Nathan? Right. I'm in in London. I'm in the west end of London, uh, just off Oxford Street. Um, It's where our offices are. It's a place called Fitzrovia. Um, It's where all the the media and the design and fashion um, organizations hang out. So we are the least trendy people in the street. So that's uh, that's okay. (laughs) okay. Everyone's much cooler than us. Um, so, and what I don't I think always, that's true. I don't. Well, I think we're going to disagree. We're going to disagree. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, um, all of uh, so right now, um, all of our company. Cause it's uh, half past seven or twenty-five past seven in the evening. All of our company have gone out for uh, for drinks. So they're in a nice hotel around the corner, all drinking. I have right now quite apt actually. Um, I have my water bottle here, which is a. From a game-changing organisation, actually, um, it's an organisation called Water for People. They're, they're, they're headquartered out in Denver, and their game-changing ambition is is fresh water for everybody forever. And uh, mm. and they've got some really cool water bottles which they because we, we work with them. They've uh, they've got a I've got a lovely one sat here with yeah English spring water in it at the moment. <laughs> Very it will, nice. It will, change. It, will, it will change later on once we finish this. So tell us something. You're co-founder and CEO of the GC Index. I'm assuming GC stands for Game Changer. Tell me if I'm wrong. And what do you do? What's your company all about? Well, it, it's, it's, it's exactly that. We, we help organizations, whether they're 
not-for-profit through to big corporations and startups, everything in between, um, build and understand game-changing teams and cultures um, is, is what we do. Um, and it's just simply we focus on uh, on, on proclivity of, of individuals. So it's where individuals want to make an impact. And we help organizations build build those languages and frameworks where everybody can, can contribute to whatever they're, they're looking to do, whether it's a program, a, a change program, a, a new business, whatever it might be, any business initiative. It's aligning everybody to that um, so everyone can make that, that, that game-changing impact in the way that, that, that's right for them. Thank you very much. Very interesting and nice to meet you. And I'm looking up Water for People. And anybody wants to know there is a handle on Twitter. It's simply Water for People, just the way it sounds with the at sign in front. And uh, Nathan, you'll probably be pleased to know they have 44.9 thousand followers. Yeah, yes. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're, there's, there's 1.8 billion people in the world that either don't have access to clean water or sanitation. And it's their goal to change that. So it's pretty game changing yeah. if, if they can pull that off. Well, I'm honored that you're using the term game-changing because when I created the concept for this Business Thought Leadership Roundtable series in 2011, uh, about a year into my tenure at SAP, it just seemed like the right thing to say, game-changers, because meeting you, people like you, and Kevin, of course, Patty Fletcher, I believe strongly that you are the game-changers and sharing your wisdom, your savvy, your insights, your perspectives, the three of you and so many more people on our shows, you are changing the game. So I say thank you to you for that. And I'm tweeting that you're drinking from a bottle provided by Water for People. So we'll give them a little shout out as well. Thank you, Nathan and Patty. I think rumor has it that you're actually going to be home for four weeks and that you've been living out of a suitcase for the past 12 years, something like that. Where, where, I'm sorry. Patty, where, where are you today? How many, uh, how many appearances have you made in Washington, D.C. recently changing the game for diversity and inclusion in companies all over the world? What have you been up to and what are you drinking today? Um, so I am at home, and I'm looking at a suitcase I still haven't unpacked. Um, it seems to not be unpacking itself, which is really confusing for me. Um, so, and I um, um, right now I am drinking some water. Tonight I'll probably have a Saint Germain cocktail, which is my favorite cocktail. And you'll be happy to know that last night when I got together with my tribe um, in Boston, of which one of yesterday's guests on the show was um, is one on the tribe, we enjoyed some kava, which is what I talked about yesterday. Um, yes, so, yes, obviously, I'm very thirsty for alcoholic beverages. <laughs> this is, uh, in case Kevin and Nathan are wondering, Patty was a guest on my, on my Coffee Break with Game Changers flagship show yesterday, and she mentioned that she liked kava, and I looked it up, C-A-V-A, and it's a type of champagne. So, this is Patty Fletcher week. Hate to do that to you, Patty. I, we want to make you always part of teams. We're not holding you up to any standard. But yes, this is Patty Fletcher week on Game Changers. So Patty, go take a drink, but not of kava till after we're done. We're going to take a quick break. We're having a really interesting conversation, getting to know three very smart people who are changing the game in their own way. Our topic today is HR from one to many, shifting the focus to teams. So if you're one of those individual performers who has to be the standout in the crowd and has to win the trophy and has to 
to get the gold star, you might have to think about it because maybe your workplace will be more focused on teamwork. And that takes a special mindset and a special skill. And it requires individuals who want to succeed as a group. We'll be talking a lot more when we come back. So... You know the drill. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise we'll be back 90 seconds. You can count them now. Kevin G, out. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. From setting up the right structures, enabling technology, and compliant operations, to hiring, developing, and cultivating a culture of success, SAP Success Factors is excited to be your partner in redefining what human resources can deliver to business leaders. Changing the Game with HR brings you insights from the movers and shakers who are making this happen. We'll delve into global business challenges from the boardroom to the shop floor and learn what is working and what has to change, all to help you change HR from transactional to transformational. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top human resources business and technology strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how human resources leaders are shaping the future of change for all of us. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game with HR. Indeed, yes, Lex, and I'm very happy to see that Nathan Ott, one of our special guests today, tweeting at at sign O-T-T-N-A-T-H-A-N, just tweeted a picture of the Water for People bottle that he's drinking from. There's a picture of the bottle. Somebody is holding it next to what might be Nathan, actually, next to a desk phone, and it's at SAP Radio, at the GC Index, at Water for People, at Digitalist Mag. Those are my colleagues at the Digitalist Magazine at SAP, at P.K. Fletcher. That's Patty. Oh, yeah. Yes, there you go. And the picture just disappeared. Oh, my goodness. Nathan is tweeting faster than I can even speak. Thank you, Nathan. Appreciate that very much. Love the visuals. Now, it's time for our roundtable in earnest. As my late mother used to say, I once told her I had a date with a gentleman named Ernest, and she said to me, great, but was he sincere? Everybody get that one? <laughs> Ernest Sincere? She, Mom, she, she had quite a way of looking at the world, i got to tell you. Uh, Kevin McConville is going to start us off with, I'm picking up two of the statements in your notes, Kevin. Thank you for sending so much. I'd like you to put them together and give us some perspective. Number one, you say, the workforce of the future is changing rapidly, which is an interesting concept because, uh, as Yogi Berra says, it's hard to predict the future because it's not here and the future isn't here yet, but it's already changing. And number two, talk a little bit about companies like Yahoo and IBM are calling their remote workers back to the physical location. And all I want to do is say, OMG. Kevin McConville, you're up two and a half minutes. What do you have to tell us? You know, all of us who went to business school learned management principles. And so much of it was based on a world that doesn't exist anymore. You know, we, we learned about these full-time employees who reported to a manager who, who was in the same location as them and could sit down and, and work with them. And what we're seeing is, 
pretty soon 40% of the U.S. workforce is going to be contingent. So there'll be temps, contractors, staff, whatever we want to call them, that don't actually work full-time for the, the company that they're, that they're doing work for at the moment. We're also seeing about 40-45% of those who are left working for a company full-time are working remotely. They're not showing up at the office. So how we team, how we manage, is all changing very rapidly. Um, you know, for a long time, what we saw was who worked remotely was really set by HR policy decisions and by technology of who could do it. And what the world's finding out is without putting proper programs in place and building the right culture, it's hard to innovate. It's hard to collaborate when people are, are working all across the globe. So as we're seeing it, we're seeing a real change in what leadership and management looks like and, and what those people need to be able to do. They need to be able to work virtually. They need to be able to manage virtually, create empathy and, and understanding and a feeling of closeness with people in a way that's very different than how they were able to do it in a way that where they sat in the same location every day. So we've seen that you know all the traditional leadership capabilities aren't going away, but there's a whole new set of them that's coming along of how it is we have to partner with people to get them to team and, and start moving forward effectively quickly. You know, the, time, the old days where you had time to, for, you know, storming, forming, norming, performing, those days are gone. Teams form, they go away really quickly. And, and um, some of what Nathan and Patty were talking about, people understanding their strengths, what they do well on a team, it's becoming more important than ever because we need to figure these things out quickly. And what we're also seeing is organizations being much more deliberate about who they're using for in conti- what work can be done by contingent workers versus needing a core worker. What roles somebody needs to actually be in the physical location to do versus can be done remotely. Or if people are remotely working remotely, how do we set up that teaming and and that ability to work together in a way that's much more efficient than than what we've done uh, previously. Kevin, interesting. I'm going to bring Nathan and Patty in, but quick question for you, Kevin, since you brought this to our attention. Is this a game changer slash deal breaker for people who want to work remotely and don't choose to be in a group slash team slash office physical location? What do you see? You know, I think a lot of people, what you've seen is for IBM and for Yahoo as they gave the orders for everyone to come home, there's a good amount of people who turn over in that process. Um, What you're also seeing is that, uh, you know, it is probably incumbent on organizations to be more deliberative in, in what, what roles they're making remote. There's lots of people who can work very well remotely. There's lots of roles that can be done very well remotely. But it's really having a, a good thought up front about how these people are going to interact, how they're going to be managed, how they're going to collaborate, as opposed to just saying, we'll put somebody out in Montana and hope all those things take care of themselves. Yep, take care of themselves. There you go. Just leave them alone and see what happens. Not going to happen. Nathan Ott, GC Index. Talk to us about the very interesting topic that Kevin introduced, please. Yeah, there's a number of things there. Firstly, that is my water bottle in the picture and, and my hand. Um, so just so you know. Right. Nice to meet just, your hand, your phone, and yeah. your water bottle. Yeah, and I, your, I didn't want you to think it was just for show. It's a just general picture. No. Anyway. Um, I was going to say um, it was a hand model. I don't know. I was going give to give that person an award. It's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think on um, just, just picking up on that, that leadership bit in, in Kevin Ray, uh, Kevin Ray, he's, he's absolutely right. I mean, the, the, our historical view of, of leadership has been extremely one one dimensional um, and, and served a purpose it's that you know handsome is as, as handsome does you know as, as a you know we've we develop people on past predictors of success to, to, to that of that perfect leader you know that reinforces homogeneity it, it undermines diversity and you know 
moving forward, that's not going to serve um, the working world as, as, as Kevin describes it as well. It's just not... Uh, yes, there are some elements that, that, that are extremely important, but we have to, we have to make a change. Because if you look at it very crudely, you know, we, 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 we look for individuals that initially had to build a reputation from being output-focused. Okay, good. Then if you're actually verbally agile, you've got a decent degree, you, you, you're, you understand conceptual thought, we're going to put you on a, an MBA or an MBA or a future leadership program, then we're going to teach you emotional intelligence, and now you're the perfect leader. Okay, that, that's crudely what, what we do in today's talent frameworks. That's not going to work um, moving forward where we need a, a much different um, blend of skills and, and impacts that, 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 we, that we discuss. Um, and I think also when Kevin mentions the, the bit about remote working, and you, you, these frameworks, again, um, focus on weaknesses rather than strengths, and so therefore we just find it easier to manage and to measure inputs than we do outputs. And that, again, is just continues accentuating the, the, the problem of our traditional frameworks. Thank you, Nathan. Patty, come into this very interesting discussion. What do you think? Yeah, there, there's so much there. I do want to say, and I think we all know this, but I can't help myself. When companies do the, the mandatory in-office work, that's usually, um, you know, an, a way to help people out the door. Um, that's not necessarily, uh, you know, some, some other master plan. Um, so, so with that said, I can't help but think about a few things. Um, both Kevin and Nathan have brought up a really good point, and, and Kevin, you kicked it off with the forming, storming, norming. That's been the model for such a long time. It is time to have a new model, right? We all Absolutely. learn that in business school. We all work from that in terms of team development. And so we, we, we need a new model, and it's, it's high time, right? So that's one antiquated thing. But it's interesting. When I think about... Um, gosh, 10, 15 years ago, I was on this virtual team. We had folks in Israel, folks in um, all over the United States, folks in Germany and in other parts of Europe, and then some folks in Asia. And we were creating net new technology for, um, for our company. And we did it. This was before we had WebEx. We just used conference calls. We were sharing through email, and it was very, very fast. And it was not only kind of a new technology, but this was a, a new buyer, a new, a new market. And we did it. And it was exceptional. It was amazing. And, you know, I look back and I think we had a common purpose with a common timeline. Each of us represented a very specific perspective and skill set. And the folks in Israel were, were absolutely the ones coding the new stuff. And I, I was focused together with some folks over in Europe on the marketing and business development, right? Like we, we all had these, these roles and we knew what we were supposed to do. And we came to the table prepared because we didn't have the luxury of being able to sit in a room with a whiteboard. And I'll never forget that. And whoever put that team together in the truth is I can't remember who it was. Um, it all just kind of seemed to happen, which I know is not the truth, I wonder if they did that on purpose or if it was just a perfect storm of awesomeness. It was a wonderful experience. <laughs> it, it was, um, was game-changing for me because it really challenged what I thought I knew to be true when it came to what teams, teamwork, team forming um, looked like. And by the way, that was a temporary team. That was not our permanent job. So it's just all of those concepts kind of came through. So how is it 
that that got lost, right? All these years later with all the better technology and the, the, the thinking around, we're not the only ones talking about forming, storming, norming, all that stuff isn't working anymore. It's, it's just very, very interesting. Very interesting. Thank you, Patty. I'm quoting you as a perfect storm of awesomeness because I think that awesome needs to be put out there. So you're going to be famous today, more famous. Kevin or Nathan, anything you want to say about what Patty added before I I go to Nathan's statements? Go ahead. Quickly, you know, as we study what the new leadership looks like, and and we're studying a lot on what digital leadership looks like here at EY, Patty ticked off so many of the things that we're seeing, you know, that she, she talked about this project years and years ago, we're seeing that there, that in the new leadership model, there needs to be a super connector, somebody who is, understands who everyone is and what they do well and aligns them to a project. There has to be a clear purpose and a clear, a clear vision of what people are trying to accomplish. There's virtual leadership of somebody pulling this together, even those people aren't sitting in the same room. And I think what Patty's describing is really a lot of what we're seeing as somehow what people have to accomplish in, in this new world where that, those old models we learned aren't working. So it really is, it tracks really well to what we're seeing. Patty described extremely well exactly what we're seeing is what the new paradigm has to be. Thank you very much. And that was you, Kevin. And Nathan, I'm looking at your statements and let's talk about, let's get down to some of the basic definitions here. I'm picking something from your notes and see if you want to talk about this. You said many organizations have historically confused Talent and succession, they're not the same. There is a degree of overlap, but not complete. Nathan, you want to unravel this or dissect this for us and tell us what this is all about? I know it's very germane to our discussion. Yeah, I mean, yeah, talent, talent and succession uh, are not the same. Um, you know, we've, we've assumed that if someone's uh, talented and the measure of that success is to, to move them on. I mean, there is a degree of overlap. As you say, it's not. it's not. It's not complete. I mean, there is a confusion. This model that is—I just think I'm just not quite sure why we've persisted with it for the last 40 years, really. But 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 we do, and we have. Um, you know, language is language like Paddy's let me say this before: high potential. You know, if you look at the millions, billions that organisations have spent on on high potential programmes and their future leader. Nobody has ever completed the sentence. High potential to do what? Yeah. What? What is there? What is it? High potential to do? You know, it is. You know, a high potential to be this perfectly that doesn't exist. It's a high potential to, if it's a partnership, you know, EY or you know, it's to, to make partner. If it's, you know, it, it, it's that high potential to be a future leader, sit on the top of the organisation. That's not where everybody wants to go. It's not how everyone's going to make an impact. You know, we promote into people to the state of incompetence and that type of stuff you know this is all consistent um themes and so why do we still go on with it you know even even organizations that um are, have been selling high potential programs for the last 30 years to big corporates have just released that 72 percent of them don't work i mean crikey i mean if we're still not understanding it now um and then i suppose other languages like emotional intelligence it's it is a bit of a conceptual model, emotional intelligence. And I'm, I'm not saying it's not important, but, but it, no one can really give a real clear definition. It just becomes confusing. And, and as such, if you, if you put those sorts of things together, and actually this notion of high potential, if we, if, if we look at it, starts way back into schools. Yeah? You, know, you have to be the person that churns out lots of work and the bright ones that mm-hmm. can pass exams, have good memories, therefore you're going to do well because you're high potential to go to university and the rest have to conform, try their best or just get left behind. 
And that's not how everyone can contribute. And then that's what we try to sort of change. And we have to change the language of our frameworks. Thank you, Nathan. Patty, I'm sure you have some comments on this. High-performing individuals versus teams and succession versus succeeding versus talent. What do you think, Patty? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's all right on. And Nathan, as I, as I listen to you in, in this conversation and in previous ones, a few things come up, right? So on the one hand, you know, kind of starting with early education, I think, I think is important. Bonnie, you had brought up that you were number three in your class and you're the exception instead of the rule. Research shows that when we train people to be perfect in their, their formative years, right, when they're in mm-hmm. school, that usually works against them. Um, from a professional perspective. Um, <laughs> so, so that's, that's quite important. Yeah. So good for you for being an outlier. Um, I've, I've been you know, redeemed. I've been validated. <laughs> I just want to savor the moment. Nathan, would you please raise that bottle of water and toast that I've been redeemed? <laughs> Thank you, Patty. I'm on it. Nobody, not too many people know, not too many people know that in my first year at a half at SAP, I was told it was a good idea to have a mentor. Somehow I, I came across Patty Fletcher. I made her acquaintance and I asked her to be my mentor and Patty was we met once a month uh, for an hour or so and then she she loaded on me that she was leaving the company about six months into this I was so mad at you and then you came back and now we're colleagues on the radio so Patty thanks for coming back and rescuing me <laughs> sorry <laughs> please it's my please. pleasure yes it's my oh. pleasure I came back all because of you um, and so <laughs> I wanted to work with the number three in, in class um, so so there's, you know, there's that, but, but it's so true, right? Like when I think about teams and team makeup, um, and Nathan, what you said is so important, right? So one, if we keep giving the gold star to, to the one that we feel is a high potential, and that could be because they're super smart or if they're a salesperson, they, they're always exceeding their number. And then high potential means that I'm going to put them into a succession plan. So let's say superstar salesperson, and hate to pick on salespeople, but it's just in my brain today for no reason whatsoever. Um, because I talked to wonderful salespeople today. Um, but then we make them the leader of the sales team. They fail because their strength is out in selling not yeah. in leading a team of sales, sales lead, uh, salespeople. And so when we think about the, what it takes to put a team together, because that's huge, to figure out what's going to work, because that's huge, right? We think of skills. But we also think about uh, culture, right? Can people be able to talk? You have to be able to argue. You have to be able to do those things. Do you have those skills? The emotional intelligence thing for me, I, I disagree a bit. I understand that it's conceptual, but I do personally work on that with people I coach and with myself. And for me, what's important for me, the element, and I know this is a, a rather one-dimensional view around emotional intelligence, but it's critical when we're talking about not only leading teams, but being a member of a team. And, and everybody on this phone does both. So, you know, that's just the world we live in. Um, we're all followers. We're all leaders. We're all co-collaborators. Is the thing around being able to neutralize versus internalize, right? Being able to be objective about what you're thinking and, and what you do about it and the same thing with others so that you can see clearly what's really going on versus what's being clouded by sometimes your unfair subjectivity. And I do think that that's critical. And, and I do agree that it's a very typically talked about in a very conceptual way, but when we talk about it more practically in this, um, in this context, I, I cannot 
understated having worked on many innovative projects like everybody else on this phone has in seeing when you put together truly diverse teams, which is quite critical. We can't have everybody thinking the same because then what's the point? Um, truly diverse teams, people feel pretty passionately about things and you have to be able to work through that. And not everybody's going to get along. You don't have to be best friends, but you have to work through that. Very well put. Kevin McConnell, Hanville, I want to give you a chance to comment on what, what um, Nathan started, Patty added to, but we're so close to the end of the show. Let me give you just a minute and a half, Kevin, and then I'm going to bring up one quick topic from Patty's list, and then we have to go to our predictions round. So sorry to put the, put the, the restraints on here, but we're looking at the clock, and I'm very sorry about that. Kevin, thoughts about what Nathan and Patty just discussed, please? Yeah, I would agree with everything they've had to say. And one thing I, would, I think we're going to have to emphasize going forward is, as we're looking at high potentials and we're looking at teaming, um, the change in, in how everyone's doing performance management, moving away from these big annual performance review to a lot mm. more frequent conversation and a lot more manager discretion, the importance of having somebody leading these teams um, that has the ability, you know, what do we want to call the strength, the emotional intelligence, whatever we want to refer to it as. But if we're moving away from a, an annual performance review and putting more and more on people, on supervisors and managers' shoulders to, to have good, clear, direct conversations to be able to motivate and lead these teams, who we identify as those leaders and, and how we train them is more important than it's ever been. And I think that's one of the biggest problems um, that has not been solved over the last 50 years of American management. We're still putting the wrong people into management, and we're still and we're putting more and more power in their hands right now. So I think that's an area we're all going to have to focus on. Thank you, Kevin. And uh, Nathan, I'm not going to give you a chance to wrap that one up because I'm really on the clock here, but I want to cover one topic from Patty really fast. Patty, very interesting. You say collective intelligence has been talked about for several years, but became mainstream with the onset of social media. There were some who would argue, Patty, that there is not much collective intelligence out there on social media. I'm just <laughs> taking a chance with that wild swing. So, so quickly, a minute, uh, 60 seconds, Patty, please tell us what, what you really mean with this. Yeah, it's really bringing together the, 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 the different thoughts of others, right? So in social media, it's worked around, let's say I'm a brand and I want to sell to people, and I'm able to use anything from sentiment analysis to, you know, kind of listening analysis kind of stuff to understand what people are feeling, right? And that then, in turn, I understand is, let's say I'm a marketer, what people will react to, when they'll react to it, who and what demographic, right? From a, from a team perspective, bringing together the end result, because the whole thing, and Kevin, I think you brought it up, and, and Nathan, you, you talked about it with the work that you do. This isn't just because we want people to work together. This is about impact. It's about out-innovating, out-performing, doing it faster, better, and all of that. When you are able to work as a team where all of that best stuff, who you are, what you think, all the work comes together and you're able to make decisions and create a product innovation service, whatever the heck it is, and deliver that in a way that is so much better because it brings together those things versus looking at it as a group of individuals who have different opinions. It's amazing. When you add in the things around cognitive thinking, right, how people think, and that's different, that adds to it as well. So it's really bringing together truly the collective what makes us each smart and why we're on that team and the impact of what that looks like. 
Thank you very much. I have to a quick anecdote here, and then I'll give you each 60 seconds. Uh, after I got my bachelor's degree in psychology, I needed to earn a living, and I, I went to school. I went to graduate school was a community college for me. After the BA, I got two associate's degrees. But one of our tasks when I was studying computer programming and operations was we had to create a compiler of a new non-existing fictitious gobbledygook language that we created, and we had to do it as a team. I was very flabbergasted because I, I hadn't done anything like this. I was new to programming, and I hadn't ever had a job, so I didn't know really what a team was. But I was very concerned because I looked at some of the people in the group. Some were brilliant, and some were slackers. And I thought, how in the heck are we going to pull this off? Because not everybody is going to pull their fair share and contribute. But we did it, and we got a high mark. So that was one of my first first my first interludes in working as a team. And Patty, it was a very interesting exercise. I, I didn't know we were mm-hmm. going to be. I was wondering, well, what if I contribute more? What will happen to me? And then the team mentality stunk in. We'll leave that one on the table for another time. Kevin McConville at EY. 60 seconds. Predictions. What will happen to this topic if we met again around 2020 or any time you choose in the crystal ball? Go ahead, Kevin. You know, as I look at how we team and how we work together and, and to the point Patty made, this all being about outcomes and, and what people actually are able to accomplish, one of the things that, that we're seeing is jobs with the advent of automation, jobs are going to be more and more about creativity and innovation and how teams work collectively towards creativity and innovation. And I'm seeing a trend that if you had told me five years ago or ten years ago, I would have, I would have never believed you. You know, I sat in a a meeting recently where 100 partners at EY were all learning how to meditate and, and mindfulness and how to, bring that to, how to bring that to the workplace. Years ago, that would have been unheard of. And I think as we see everybody, 90% of people sleep with the phone next to their bed and their, their mobile device is never away from them. Digital dementia, information overload, whatever we, we call it. I think as teams work together and as people are looking to collaborate and innovate, that trend is going to be something bigger than I ever would have believed if you had told me it 10 years ago. Thank you. Great observation and prediction. Nathan Ott, 60 seconds. You're up. Predictions. Go. Yeah, I, I think, the, um, I think the, the title may, may still say, stay the same, um, but I think it will be much focused on diversity of impact um, rather than just thought. Um, we are human doings, um, effectively. So when we, we can make an impact, it's valued and we're recognized for it. Um, we start to feel potent and, and masterful because um, we are human doings. And that's the point when we become human beings and then make that game-changing impact that we can make to an organization, team, or role. I think this conversation will be much more aligned to Mother Teresa's quote of, you know, the line that everyone can contribute and organizations will um, be valuing the contribution of, of, of the collective and everybody. And, uh, and that will be helpful to organizations and, and, and society. Thank you. I like that link to society. That's what we're all looking at here. That's where we are. That's that's the big team, right, Nathan? That's the big team with the big water bottle. It's society. It's our culture. Patty Fletcher, I saved 60 seconds, and that's all I got for you. Go ahead, please. Awesome. I, I see, I don't know if it's going to be by 2020, but it certainly will be part of the, the journey. And that's going to be kind of doing the, the step up. And, and Kevin, Nathan, and I have talked about this off off radio plenty of times, and, and that's about rethinking recruiting, rethinking performance management, as, as Kevin mentioned live on the radio, rethinking reward systems, really rethinking how we train leaders to lead, and really 
looking at not only the enablement components of that, but the reinforcement mechanisms of that, as well as how do we shift our mindset, our culture around that, and, and also rethinking workforce design um, is going to be incredibly important, and that's where I see it going. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point, Kevin McConville, Nathan Ott, Dr. Patty Fletcher. Such a pleasure speaking with the three of you. Very spirited and high-energy conversation. Patty, you did it again. Great panel. Thank you so much. Shout-out to the other Kevin, Kevin Gassman, Kevin G. at World Talk Radio, the business channel. This is the end of our broadcast week. Five live shows a week. We're doing it. Talk about teamwork, right, Patty? (laughs) Patty, I think it's going to be a week without you on the radio next week. We're going to be so lonely without you. But here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Be like Kevin McConville. Be like Nathan Ott. Be like Dr. Patty Fletcher. Go out and be a game changer today, right now. That's an order. Go team. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. I'll talk to you next Tuesday. My goodness, what date is it? It's going to be the 27th of June already. The year is hurtling by. And I will be on with two brand new Game Changer shows, 10 a.m. and 12 noon here on the Business Channel. Have a great weekend, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.